And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is Dr. John Vance. Glad to be here, Dan. Well, welcome back, John. You know, last week uh, we just barely scratched the surface of the um, fall forum that's coming up. It's called Islam and Christian Perspective. Actually, we just had uh, the first edition of that. And uh, it was just a wonderful forum. Um, Coming up um, this coming Friday will be the second session. It's going to be discussing the Quran and the Hadiths. Hadiths? How do you say that? Hadiths. Hadiths in Christian perspective. Last week we talked about a question that we wanted to address uh, this week. And that is, um, here in America, as we consider the Arab community, and um, how many Muslims are here and that sort of thing. I guess we're wondering, uh, of the Arabs that are here, are they mostly Muslims? Are they Christians? Uh, What is the approximate mix Yeah, it's interesting. Um, We had an Arab immigration, believe it or not, uh, well over 100 years ago, uh, and right up through the 30s and 40s and 50s of the last uh, century, but most of those Arabs uh, were not Muslims at all. They were Christians, mm. and they were fleeing persecution in their own land uh, as minorities. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you know it or not, uh, but uh, there is a, a verse in the Quran that says there's no compulsion in religion. However, if you find yourself in a Muslim country that is dominated by Muslims and Muslim a Sharia in particular, that is Muslim law, mm-hmm. you will discover that uh, Jews and Christians are considered a protected people, as opposed, for instance, to uh, Buddhists and Hindus, which are considered pagans and to be driven out or executed. Now that's interesting. Uh, it goes along with my, uh, I had heard someplace, sometimes we're considered people of the book. People of the book, and yeah. we have a special status. However, that status does not mean equality. Mm-hmm. It, in fact, is a second-class citizenship Okay, uh, where extra taxes are levied on the people of the book or Christians and Jews. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some cases, they had to wear distinctive clothes to identify them. Now, what about um, Muslims that convert to Christianity in that society you that can't, you're talking you about? You can't convert. Can't convert. Uh Historically, in lands where Sharia <laughs> reigns, uh, it's considered treason against the state. So in Egypt, yeah. for instance, a very enlightened country in many ways, uh, they have on the books the death penalty for anyone who, for instance, becomes a baptized Christian. So people that are already Christians are considered people of the book, and yet new converts that come from the Muslim faith are subject to the death penalty. Well, you can convert from Christianity or Judaism to Islam, but you cannot convert from Islam to Judaism or Christianity. So how did those people first get there that are considered people of the book and aren't going to be killed? I mean, let's take let's take uh, Egypt. You know know what I'm asking? Yeah, Yeah. let's take Egypt. Egypt has about 10 percent of its uh, citizens are Christians called Coptic Christians. Okay, and they were predate the Muslims. Ah, okay. So, by hundreds of years. So, in in a sense, when they were conquered, they had to recognize their status and did. But on the other hand, they gave them what is called demitude, mm-hmm. or they are demis, meaning that they have uh, a certain second-class citizenship. Right. And it's very onerous. Uh, no Coptic, I can imagine. No Coptic, for instance, 
a Christian or the a church there, Pope Sonata is his name, is the head of the church hmm. there. They're not permitted to build new churches. Uh, and they can't even get permission to improve and make improvements and repairs on their own churches. So they're, they really are more and more uh, suppressed in those lands. And it persecuted. sure sounds like it. These, so these Coptic Christians have been there even before the Muslims oh, yes. took over. Okay, From the first century right. on. And presumably they've been um, having children, and yeah. those children mm-hmm. were, were being baptized into the Christian faith and mm-hmm. that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Um, and that's true in other lands as well, in Syria yeah. um, and in other lands in the Middle East. Now, you mentioned baptism, and I just mentioned it quickly, but um, there is something profound here about baptism. Could you help our listeners understand that um, with respect to a Muslim changing face, becoming a Christian? What's significant about baptism? Well, baptism is a change of status. They really take baptism uh, much more seriously mm-hmm. than most Christians do in this country, particularly in the evangelical community, and yeah. I'm an evangelical. So yeah. uh, when when we talk about baptism being a sign and seal of being in the Christian faith and of God's grace, uh, some here I will discover they'll either say, I, I've been baptized mm-hmm. or haven't been, or I've been baptized two or three times, depending on the church. Yeah. Well, uh, in Islamic countries, uh, baptism is considered leaving the faith. If you are a Muslim and you yeah. actually receive Christian baptism, that's the mark of, uh, if you will, yeah. of of treason. There's a certain seriousness, and the Muslim gets it. And I'm grieved over the fact that so often the Christian doesn't get it. Uh, when you receive baptism, that's a huge that marks you out as a Christian. As it really the, does. As the, uh, let me quote the Westminster Confession, my own confession. Baptism makes a difference between you and the world. Yeah. It distinctively yeah. marks you as a Christian. In guttural response, it seems that the Muslim kind of gets that. They get that. <laughs> it's amazing. Now, um, today we're talking about uh, Islam and Christian perspective. This is our second Plain Answer program where we're doing that. We want to invite you to the second session, in fact, of the Westminster Fall Forum, where this will be covered in much more detail. This coming Friday, John will be presenting a discussion about the Quran and the Hadiths in Christian perspective. I think it's going to be fascinating. And, of course, it's a lot of fun because you can have free pizza and soda at 645 <laughs> and then the lecture Some starts fellowship. at 730 yeah. Some fellowship. yeah and uh god willing we'll be recording that session as well as we did uh the previous one uh we need to take a break here um you're listening to a plain answer right here at redeemer broadcasting stay with us we'll be right back
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, Dr. John Vance. Hello. We're talking about Islam and Christian perspective. And, uh, John, I guess the next question I have is, um, can you explain a little bit about this interesting word, Sharia? Sharia. That, that is an interesting word. Uh, Sharia really is, uh, in in uh, certain countries, they have adopted a Sharia, and that really is the law that governs these countries. It's a religious law, and they draw upon two sources for it. First of all, the Quran. Uh, the Quran, of course, is uh, the word of God that, has, uh, that was revealed to Muhammad, and, um, and that is basic. The Quran is basic, of mm-hmm. course. And the Quran is an interesting book. It has a number of shuras, 114. A shura means chapter. And generally speaking, it's organized from longer chapters to very short ones at the end. Uh, they're not arranged historically or in any arrangement like that. Uh, and, and, and they're hard. Uh, much, it's a much more difficult book to read than the Bible, hmm. uh, for instance. But a Quran, for the most part, is only considered the Quran if it's in Arabic. We have translations, and yeah. they just consider it commentaries. I've heard you mention that mm-hmm. before, so it has to be in Arabic. The traditional According Muslim would them. say it has to be in Arabic, or it's not the Quran. Mm. Arabic is a holy language, mm-hmm. and it's the language of heaven, if you will. Now, what about going back to last week's discussion with the Shia, 11% or Shia, uh, do they read Arabic? All Muslims around the world, from Indonesia mm-hmm. To Iran, will learn Arabic and recite uh-huh. it. The word uh, Quran means to recite. Okay. So they learn to recite it. They may not know exactly what they're reciting, but mm-hmm. they can get the the rhythm of the language and cite it. Mm-hmm. I, um, I hear the word Sharia, and I, as an American, as a Christian here in America, um, it 
starts my stomach churning just a little bit because sometimes there's mention of, um, I don't know, there in Michigan, there's a place in Michigan where there's a movement afoot to consider Sharia law as the law of the town, and, and I get kind of concerned. To allow Muslim communities to almost govern yeah. themselves like you would on an Indian reservation if you go under Sharia yeah. law. Yeah, and I, I get concerned uh, just purely from a American point of view and uh, having a constitutional republic seems to me that if we were to import uh, Sharia law, it would be seditious to the Constitution as we currently understand it. would be, as it. some places in Europe are finding out. Yeah. Now, uh, Sharia also, though, has a second uh, source, and that is called the Hadiths. Ah. The Hadiths are the sayings and the lives of Muhammad. They're the written sources or sayings, okay. and which includes uh, the sayings of Muhammad and the first and second generation. The first three generations are the founding generations of Islam, and they become very important. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, the Hadith, for all practical purposes, become more important than the Quran. They come after the Quran. They come after it's, right. it. They come after it's what they. Muhammad is considered sinless and a perfect mm-hmm. model and example. Mm-hmm. So therefore, whatever he said and whatever actions he performed, even washing himself, mm-hmm. is considered a, a holy example to follow. And so whatever he said and what his companions said, which is a holy generation, his those who knew him, and then the, those who knew the companions, you have uh, – those are the Hadiths and also the lives of Muhammad. Huh. There are a number of lives uh, that go into this. Lives. That's spelled Lives. L- L-I-V-E-S. Biographies. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're called the lives of Muhammad. Right. Okay. And so it all forms the Hadith. So you got the Quran and the Hadith, and that – constitutes Sharia, or Islamic law. Now, uh, last week you mentioned um, when did Islam begin, quoting, you know, the the Muslims, you pointed back to Abraham, and yet we're also finding that when we talk about Sharia, the source becomes the Quran and the Hadiths, and so while it may point back to Abraham, it seems like the body of revelation that they have that's more current um, carries an awful lot of weight. Well, they, these the, the 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 Quran is considered to be a corrective to uh, what the scriptures of Jews and Christians, because Jews and Christians have corrupted their scriptures. Okay, and so God sent the last prophet Muhammad, who is the seal of the prophet. No more prophets after him to put the thing back on course. Okay, and so it's a successionist religion, and the Quran. Uh, is somewhat ahistorical. It, it, it's confusing when you read it. I, I would I would recommend that if anyone's thinking of reading the Quran to read the Arbery, uh, Professor Arbery's translation. It, How do you spell that? It, I think it's A R B U R R Y. The Arbery translation seems to be the the best. Okay. So, is there a sense in the uh, Islamic religion of uh, a more recent revelation? Um, uh, correcting previous revelation, and so that you kind of need the latest word in order to understand what the status is or what the truth is? Is there this sense where the more recent revelations can displace or correct the earlier revelations? Well, uh, 
uh, when you read Arbery, I believe, but let me correct the spelling. A-R-B-E-R-R-Y is yes, the way you spell it. Yes, okay, got it. Uh, it really is to correct. You see, Jews and Christians are so corrupt that they corrupted their scriptures. They wouldn't obey God. And that's from a Muslim perspective. That's from a Muslim perspective. Yeah. Therefore, the Quran really is uh, to set, if you will, God's work back on track. <laughs> and uh, the Hadith, of course, record uh, Muhammad's sayings and his lives and so forth. And that becomes important, too. He's a perfect model and example. <laughs> and and uh, in the very first, what is called the Shahada, the Confession of Muslims, uh, Muhammad is in there, you know. There's no yeah. God but God, and Muhammad is his prophet. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely foundational to Islam. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I've heard the word uh, dhimmis. Uh, who who are they? Uh, I, I touched upon it last week a little bit. The dhimmis are the second-class citizens, and they primarily oh, okay. combine Jews and Christians. Oh, okay. People you did. the book. And People I forgot book. already. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's 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 us. <laughs> that's right. If we were living in Saudi Arabia, for instance, okay. we would really find what a demi is. Yeah. Um, talk about uh, punishment for crimes in Islam. In if, Sharia, if you could. yes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Islam is a very, very legalistic religion. It's almost wholly unlike Christianity. Mm-hmm. The uh, Sharia is finally, with, along with the Quran and the Hadith, it forms a constitution. It's God's constitution for how people should live. And in the uh, Quran, there are uh, revealed punishments for certain crimes, and uh, these are called the Hadad laws. Hmm. So therefore, if you find someone who commits these crimes, you must impose this penalty. Are they optional? Uh, not really. Hmm. If you carry out and are faithful to Sharia, they're not so, optional. So, so you're going to tell us what these are, but let me jump the gun. Are these actually these punishments actually taking place today Absolutely. in the world? Absolutely. There was they just are. a 15-year-old boy who stole something hmm. recently, and I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an element of al-Qaeda cut – no, it might have been in Oman mm-hmm. – cut his hand off. Cut which his is, hand off. Which is the punishment. And uh, he got infected and he died. Oh, my. So the punishment uh, for theft is amputation. Oh, my. And for illicit sexual relations, uh, it can be death by stoning. Usually oh. the woman gets stoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a hundred lashes, and we're talking about a hundred lashes that is just a total beatdown. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, making uh, false charges, though, of people... Uh, against people mm-hmm. accusing them of of illicit sexual relationships mm-hmm. uh, is uh, punishable by 80 lashes. Oh, my. And then drunkenness, mm-hmm. uh, intoxication, drunkenness uh, is punishable by 80 lashes. And every once in a while mm-hmm. I read where a Brit gets uh, whipped in public in Saudi Arabia. Really? Uh, oh, really? yeah. Uh, they, they, the Brits can't seem to mm-hmm. uh, conform mm. uh, to to that. Apostasy, though, is one is of great concern to me. Yes. That is falling away from the faith or converting to another mm-hmm. uh, faith. And uh, that uh, normally uh, is the death penalty for mm-hmm. the person who converts. Uh, it could be banishment in some cases. And mm. um, even though Muhammad robbed caravans, it is interesting that in 
the punishments, highway robbery also uh, is punishable by death. Oh, my. So those are the six Haddad laws. Uh, The rest of the laws are imposed by jurists, um, an imam or a mufti. So uh, if you live in those societies, and it will be based upon the Quran. All right. And the hadith. All right. So those are the what they call the six punishments. Mm-hmm. And there's a word that they use. Yeah, it's it's hadad or okay. had had. Okay. I don't. Uh, so um, again, I'll, I have to warn the people. I don't uh, <laughs> speak Arabic now. Um, having lived in America here and having gone through uh, the nine eleven terrorist attacks, and we uh, we've heard of another word that's been somewhat popularized, and it's the word jihad. Uh, could you? Uh, we only got a couple of minutes left. Help us understand what jihad is. Well, there are two kinds of jihad. There's the lesser and the greater. The um, uh, jihad means holy war for most people, but jihad, the greater jihad, is actually uh, something that Christians could subscribe to. It is putting to death sin within you. Hmm. We call that the Christian doctrine of mortification, and I would encourage all of us to practice as Christians. Uh, that's our responsibility as growing in Christ. Or as my late professor John Sanderson said, pulling up the weeds in your life and mm-hmm. cultivating I've got the a fruit. lot of weeds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's another aspect to jihad, and it's called the lesser jihad, but actually it figures much more prominently in Islamic history than hmm. the greater jihad, and that is holy war. And, oh, okay. and uh, Islam uh, can rightly, according to the Quran, expand itself uh, through warfare, and uh, it does. Hmm. And you can defend the faith through through holy war, and you also can can extend the faith mm-hmm. through holy war. Um, and it's a matter of territory. Interesting is in the Muslim world they've divided the world up into uh, Dar al Islam, where Islam rules, Dal al-Harb, where you can make war against those people. And there's even another term, and uh, it's left me, where those are too distant to make holy war against. Mm -hmm. So they divide the world up into three spheres, uh, traditionally, Mm -hmm. and so that's important. Well, we've been talking today about uh, Islam in Christian perspective, and this is just a really short synopsis of what's coming your way if you attend the Westminster Fall Forum. Um, We already had one session, um, actually, yesterday. Um, The second one is coming up this Friday, uh, the 21st, and you're cordially invited. Uh, John, you'll be there. You're the you're the main speaker. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And um, for better course, or for worse. Besides that, of course, is the pizza and soda. So that's that starts at six forty-five. Yeah, the, at least come for the pizza and the fellowship. Yeah, the uh, starting time of the lecture will be at seven thirty, and it will end by eight forty-five. Uh, this is a very respectful. Uh, lecture. Uh, we're not casting, or John is not going to be casting stones here. It's not going to be uh, trying to start a fight. So it it will be friendly, a friendly environment, put it that way, as we consider Islam and Christian perspective. If you have a Muslim friend whom perhaps is starting to think about the Christian faith and examine the claims of Christ, by all means, bring him or her along. Uh, they will be cordially welcomed. And uh, that um, that will be held at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. 
And if you need directions, just email us. Our address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. I see we're out of time already for today's edition of A Plain Answer. This show will be posted up on our website as well as linked to iTunes. For Redeemer Broadcasting and A Plain Answer, I'm Dan Elmendorf. I want to thank Dr. John Vance for joining us today. Please join us again next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.